we'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the future of health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. Hello, everyone, and welcome today. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for informational purposes only. If you have any questions around the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit our website at providence.org or visit cdc.org for their official medical updates. This event does not create a doctor-patient relationship, and any questions or medical advice discussed is not considered guidance on what you should do. For any medical questions, please reach out to your primary care or healthcare professional. For everyone who doesn't know me yet, um, I am Brett Barrow, founder and CEO of HerFeed, and joining me today is Dr. Joseph Chambers, Chair of the Department of Urgent Care at Facey Medical Group, FMG, in Los Angeles. FMG is a proud affiliate of Providence St. Joseph Health. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Chambers. Oh, it's my pleasure and an honor. How are you today, Brett? I am doing well, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. So today, what we're going to be talking about is clinic safety for patients who need to go to urgent care. Um, just for people, so people get a better idea of what you do and who you are. Can you tell us what your role is and what you do? I'm the chair of the Department of Urgent Care at Facey Medical Group. We're a large subspecialty group in the San Fernando, Santa Clarita Valley. My job is to run the urgent cares, which are pretty busy. And we see a lot of high acuity and a lot of low acuity. Of course, our world totally changed this year when the pandemic hit. And I think that's probably what we want to focus on initially. So what happened? We kind of classified the world into BC and subsequent. BC is before COVID, not before Christ before COVID, because everything changed. Even the way I dress changed. Look at me, I'm in scrubs. Traditionally, I would wear a, sh a shirt and tie, but everybody wants to know that what you're wearing that day, you're gonna take, take off, get washed and come back because everybody has some fear. So what we did initially was as we began to understand the virus, as we began to understand how it spread, and it's predominantly spread airborne. People talking like now or coughing spreads the virus. Touching, not as much as we initially thought. So when we start seeing the patients, we start understanding it. We looked at what was happening in China. We looked at what was happening in Italy and New York. We start getting expertise, and we decided the safest way to see patients with possible COVID was to set up a tent outside our main clinics. And the main reason for this was we wanted to separate our COVID patients from the non-COVID. And we also know that when you're outside, there's a much lower chance of spreading the virus than it is when you're on the inside. And of course, we want to protect our caregivers. And that's where the scrubs came in. We decided that we had to have a whole bunch of new changes. And we actually, unfortunately, had to create physical barriers between us and our patients, stuff that we normally just don't like. But they were really important to keep us as caregivers safe so that we could look after more and more patients. And right. the kind of stuff we did was simple. Everybody had to wear a mask. Okay. Everybody had to wear a face shield. The mask and face shield are really important, and gloves. 
if you're in an area where you're seeing a lot of COVID patients, like a surge tent, or you're working in a hospital ICU, you tend to wear medical grade gowns. So those were the kind of changes that we brought in. And then we had to start dealing with the anxiety, anxiety of our patients. I bet, Brett, that you've looked up the symptoms of COVID, I would say two or three times. Uh, probably a few more than that, but yes, definitely. I think it, it, it you know, and it's changed also. Sure. So I think that has also perhaps fed into some of the anxiety people have. It has changed. And, and that's one of the things that we emphasize when we're talking to our patients. See, a lot of patients, their concept of who we are as doctors and what we do is based on television, where everything is black and white, where the doctor walks in at the last minute and says, oh, I read this in the journal last week. This will save your life. And what patients are living through in real time is us in the medical world, us in the world of public health, finding out what the virus is and what it does and understanding it. And what we thought was real last Monday, not so real on Wednesday or Friday. Let me give you an example. This week, the World Health Organization said that they weren't really worried about what they call asymptomatic spreaders, that are people with no symptoms who could possibly make you infected and make you sick. Well, immediately there was a hue and cry from a lot of other experts. And within 24 hours, WHO, the WHO organization, had to reverse itself. And what that means is there's a lot of contradictory information coming out. And that's what's scary for patients. It's difficult for us as doctors and providers to come along and say, you know, this is definitely concrete. So what is it that we do know? What is it that I want to share with you today? Well, the symptoms of COVID are varied. Fever isn't always there. An early symptom will be changes in your taste, in your sense of smell, cough, shortness of breath, chest pain. These are all common features. But so is abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, which means there's a lot of symptoms. And it's a wide range, right? So how do you differentiate right. those? Well, you kind of set up different parts of your clinic so that when people come, they know what's going to go on. Let me give you an example, Brad. So you injure your ankle, you're out running. Okay. And you say, oh, do I have a fracture? Do I not? Mm -hmm. Well, oh, dear. I don't want to go to urgent care and pick up COVID, have COVID and an injured ankle. So what we have set up in right. Providence-wide and all of our urgent cares is really simple. We have spaces for people who are potentially sick with COVID and spaces for people who are not sick, potentially sick with COVID, right? So we want to reassure everybody mm -hmm. that when you come to us, regardless of your problem, whether it's a belly pain or whether it's an injured ankle, you're not going to go home with COVID if you didn't arrive with COVID. And that's really important because right. sadly we're finding right. people sitting at home not coming into us with symptoms they should. For example, we saw a young man recently who had abdominal pain. It was appendicitis, but he sat at home for ages and ages and ages. By the time he got to us, the, the appendix had ruptured. And part of what we want to do in today's talk is reassure people when you come to us with things other than COVID, we're going to look after you. We're going to be there for you. It's going to be safe. You can come on in. We have everything set up so that it is safe. You've got nothing to worry about. That's really important for that message to get out because it seems our world is COVID, but COVID is not the world. All of the problems right. that we saw before COVID are still there. Heart attacks, strokes, they're all still going on. And we want you to come in because we want to treat you. We're treating everybody, COVID and non-COVID. What, um, you know, if someone was going to come to urgent care, what should, what precautions should they take or what should they know for themselves? You know, do they need to show up with a mask? Do they need to call ahead? Do they, how, what is the process now? Well, the process is, is really simple. If you're sick and you want to be seen, come see us. 
we're there every day, seven days a week. If you come to us and we think you have COVID-type symptoms, we'll steer you off into the COVID area where we can look after you there. If you have non-COVID symptoms, we'll steer you off into a different area. We at FACI give every single person that comes in a mask if they don't already have one. We would prefer you to bring your own mask because, honestly, there's a bit of a shortage of masks. But if you come in and you don't have one, we're going to give you one. And when you're wearing a mask, it's got to be over your nose and your mouth. Often it slips down to here. So we like you to, you've got to keep it up here. Covering your nose and covering your mouth is really important. And then we will assess you and we'll do whatever is necessary. But this is no different than any other doctor visit. What you're coming for is an opinion. You're coming for an expert opinion. So what would be nice is you arrive in and you think about what's been happening to you and what you're worried about. Are you worried that you've got shortness of breath? Are you worried that your tummy's upset, that you've got diarrhea? What is it that you're worried about? What do you want to convey to us? And then, you know, when we're seeing patients, if you come in with 25 symptoms and the wart that you wanted to treat it six months ago, we may not be always able to get to that in an urgent care setting. So what we'd like you to do right. is come in with a kind of a focus problem. Okay. And we'll take care of you. That's good to know. Um, so is if a person does have COVID, is urgent care the right place for them to go? Or is it is, is that what people should be using for COVID testing or going to the ER perhaps or calling their primary care physician? Well, all of those things are viable and good options. But yes, urgent care is a great place to go. So let me just give you an example. At this point, we have really good experience with COVID. We understand it. I've seen a lot of patients with COVID. I've managed them as an outpatient. I've managed patients with pneumonia and COVID as an outpatient. And I've admitted people oh. to the hospital or sent them to the ER. So there's, we, we all have experienced that. Nothing unique to me, nothing special about Dr. Joe. We've all done this. So we understand it. Now, put it in perspective. You have 100 people. The majority of that 100 people are going to put this over like a relatively mild flu. Not everybody, not suggesting that, but the majority of people will have body aches, have chills, which are really pronounced with COVID, and they may have a cough, they may have some shortness of breath. They have all of those things, and they do well. And you, you can come into us, we'll take care of you, we'll make some suggestions for you. For instance, we like people with COVID not to use ibuprofen or naprazine or any of those anti-inflammatories for fever and body aches. We prefer you use some uh, acetaminophen or Tylenol. It seems to be safer for your kidneys if you do happen to get sick down the road. So this is basic advice we give you. If you're a little bit older, and by older, let's be honest here, anybody over 45, 50, we may start doing some quick tests like a chest X-ray to make sure you don't have pneumonia and some blood work. And what we have found, Brad, in managing COVID is this. It appears that people do really well until about day seven to 10, and then there's a quick deterioration. And the only thing that we've found that predicts this, believe it or not, is low oxygen. So we look at people who come into it with mild symptoms, for instance, but we're worried about them. And we say they've got risk factors like their age, 65 and older, or they're diabetic, or they have high blood pressure, or they have chronic lung disease. And then what we'd like to do is put them into what we call a high-risk monitoring program. So we send them home with a little finger probe that they stick their finger into, and it gives us their blood oxygen level. We've got a great system of nurses who follow up with them. They measure this every day for a while, several times a day. They check in with the nurse. And if things are not going the way we like it, 
then we escalate treatment. We send them back to the ER or to us or whatever it is so they can get the appropriate and aggressive treatment that they need to stay healthy. So, yeah, it's really important to come into us if you've worried. If you're a 20-year-old person and you've got some mild symptoms, you can probably manage it at home. But remember, if you suspect you have COVID, you've got to self-isolate for 10 whole days. And that includes with your family. Because right. the quickest way of spreading COVID is among a, an enclosed environment with a family. So even when you're at home, and I hate to say this, you've got to wear a mask. If you have a separate restroom, it's best to use that. You've got to wash your hands on a continuous basis because that's what spreads it around. But the mask is really important. I know there's been a lot in the media re- recently where people are saying, Ugh, masks, they're no, of no value. But that's not true. Good quality masks worn by even half the population is going to decrease the spread of this virus significantly. And this virus hasn't gone away. This virus is sticking yeah. around and we have to deal with it. It's the new normal, Brett. Yeah. It, I, was just, I was just thinking that when you uh, were talking about the mask, it is the new normal. Oh, it absolutely. seems like. Um, so what, in general, I guess, what are some of the patient issues that urgent care really focuses on? Well, overall, what we try to do in urgent care is we want to manage you as an outpatient and optimize and minimize your costs and make you healthy. So in our group, we have what's known as a level one urgent care, which is ED light. We're not an emergency room, not suggesting that. But we do a lot of things that emergency room does, and we do them cheaper. And honestly, we do them just as well, I promise you. We're well-trained, we're highly trained, and we're experienced. So the kind of stuff we, that we want to do is if you come into us, say, with abdominal pain, and it's a kidney stone, we'll, just, we'll do scans, advanced imaging, to see where the stone is and if it needs surgical intervention. And if it doesn't need to be fixed that day, we'll set you up at one of our surgical centers through one of our specialists. We'll take care of that. If it did need it to be fixed that day, we'd put you into the hospital in collaboration with our hospitalist. And that's the very high end of urgent care medicine. But in Providence, we have a wide range of clinics. And we, we do lots of good stuff. We do everything, ankle injuries, shoulder injuries, all of those kind of things. You can come into us. You're running, you fall, you get injured come into us, we can take care of you. You fall, you hit your ribs, we can take care of it. You have abdominal pain, gallbladder attack, pancreatitis. We can sort of do the workup. If you need more care, we can refer you on. So there's a lot of things that we can do. And I, for a high-powered, high-acuity urgent care, the things we don't do are heart attacks, strokes, low blood pressure. Those things need to go to an ER because they're going to end up in an ICU. So that's how it goes. But most of the other stuff we can take care of, gastroenteritis, skeletal injuries, shortness of breath, asthma flare-ups. There's a million things that all of our urgent cares can do. And as Providence changes in the next few years, and we're working hard on this throughout the organization, all of our urgent cares are going to be delivering the same kind of level of care. We're getting there. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good to know. Um, What is – are all hospitals equal and – are all, um, you know, ERs equal and, and urgent cares? I, and really, how do you know where to go? Ah, Depends where you live or in your neighborhood. It's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Where do you go and how do you decide? So this is how I look at it. A few years ago, I moved into Cheviot Hills. So mm-hmm. I'm a physician, relatively sophisticated in healthcare and understanding it and what it goes. But I need to know in my area which emergency room is covered by my insurance so that if I have to go there, my bill would be less. 
which emergency rooms, for instance, would deal with a heart attack or which emergency rooms would deal with a stroke? Because not all hospitals are equal because they do different things. So some hospitals have set up for heart attacks. So if you arrive in there, you have an acute heart attack. They get you to the cardiologist. They get you into the cath lab and they fix it. And that's all about time. In that setting, time is your heart muscle. Time is really important to get you treated and get you going. Same thing with a stroke. So you want to go to the places that do it all the time, that are set up to do it. Think of it in your own life, Brad. What are you good at? You're good at what you do every day. So hospital that does strokes every day has a specialized program. They're good at that. Same thing with heart attacks. Now, most emergency rooms will stabilize you. If they don't have that specialized service, we'll move you out. But you don't want to go to somewhere twice because you're delaying time. Try to figure out what areas, who does what and what in the emergency room. And it's very important money-wise. You've got to know if that hospital is covered by your insurance. Because they're still going to look after you. But if it's not covered, if you're out of network, so to speak, then your costs will be higher. Right. So not all yours, is, yours are the same. Not all hospitals are the same. And you have to understand that. Who, um, if a patient was transported by 911 or an ambulance from urgent care to the ER, who pays for well, that? Well, what, what most people understand is that it really doesn't matter who calls 911. Anybody can call 911 and say, I see a person in distress. 911 personnel arrive there and they take over and they'll look after your patient for you or they look after the person in distress. The person who is transported to hospital is responsible for that bill and the copay. If you have no insurance, that can be really expensive. If you have insurance, the copay can vary from 250 to upwards. So it's important to understand all of these considerations. What I often find is that people know more about their telephone bill, about their AT&T cell service than they do about their health insurance. And what I always encourage patients to understand is this. What's my copay? And the copay is how much do I need to spend if I want to see my primary care doctor, the urgent care doctor, and the ER doctor? Because the copays vary, and they're much higher in the emergency room than they are in urgent care or with the primary care doctor. So if I have an ankle injury and I'm running, and the urgent care can do the x-ray for me and put me in a splint if I need a splint and refer me to the orthopedist if I need a bone specialist, but my copay may be 20 bucks. In the ER, it could be 100 bucks or more. We're going to get the same oh, wow. service. You're going, to, you're going to be paying a bigger bill. And, you know, recently health insurance has changed. So a lot of people have PPO, which isn't as good perhaps as it used to be. And there may be what we call a deductible. So the first 2000 or 3000 or 5000 you have to pay out of pocket. Your insurance doesn't cover it. So... When you have those big deductibles, and a lot of patients now have them, that means they have to pay all that extra stuff till they hit the $5,000 because the insurance will only cover above $5,000 or above $3,000, whatever the individual deductible is. So, again, it goes back to you've got to understand what insurance you've bought, what covers what you have covered, and if you have an urgent care in your area that will be covered by insurance so you don't have to go through emergency room. If you do go to urgent care and you have to go, they think you should go to ER, they'll refer you over. It's, it's not a big deal. That's really good to know, actually. Um, we actually have some questions from the Facebook audience. Uh, so first question is, are, you seeing, are we seeing an uptick in COVID cases? Well, I hate to individualize. I personally, in the last 
couple of weeks, I've seen more than I saw in the previous two weeks. So there's a lot of websites that have really good information. And one of the websites that I look at is run by Scott Gottlieb, G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B. And he's got a thing, he's part of American Enterprise Institute. And they have a map of the U.S. And you can click on mm-hmm. any region right down to the county level and will tell you what your risk index is for that area. So as it happens, even though I've seen an, an uptick in the areas where I'm working, but when I look at the map overall in those areas, it's a little bit down. So that may be just patient selection. In one of our clinics, we have a lot of sort of older folks with high comorbidities, diabetes, hypertension. So we're seeing a bit more COVID with them. What, we, what I have to say is a little disappointing is we did lock down the state and we got really good benefits from it, but it hasn't dipped as much as we had hoped. And it looks like it's going to be a slow burn throughout the summer, unfortunately. And that may mean that we're going to see more deaths than we actually have to. And again, if you want to be a good citizen, the important thing is when you're outside, let's wear a mask. Limit who you're socializing with so it's not a big group. And wash your hands a lot. I kind of have a rule that when I enter my own personal house, I immediately wash my hands. That's one of the first things I do. Of course, at work, I'm washing my hands all the time. That's a separate entity. But even if I go to the store and I come in, I wash my hands. Yeah, I, I feel like I've been washing my hands. I've become compulsive about it, but I'd rather be safe than sorry. We actually have another question from um, Facebook. Our favorite, uh, asking, are fabric masks okay? They're not ideal. And they're certainly not okay, okay in a medical setting. But yes, they're way better than not wearing a mask. There's no question about that. If you're wearing a cloth mask, you should change it on a regular basis because the cloth mask, when you're talking, there's a lot of sort of stuff flies out of your mouth. And some of it is just yeah. moisture. It'll make the cloth, cloth mask rather uh, wet, and that can be a problem. So it does need to be changed. Even professional-grade uh, medical masks are changed quite frequently. In a, in a certain setting where we're in a tent looking at COVID patients, we will change your specialized masks, so-called N95s, twice in a 12-hour shift to make sure that we're getting maximum benefit and we're, we're protecting ourselves. Oh, that's good. That is good to know. Um, one other question that we got from Facebook is, can you easily connect, can an urgent care easily connect with your primary doctor or specialist in services in your area? Oh, absolutely. That this... One of the great benefits of electronic health records, that's the computer system that you see your doctor on all the time when you go to see her, is that when you come to see me in urgent care, your primary care doctor is automatically notified through Epic, the computer system that Providence uses throughout its system, that you came to urgent care and you saw me. And if you go to your emergency room, it's the same thing. Within our specific group, what we do is, if we have something that we're concerned about, that we think needs follow-up specifically for that individual patient, we write a specific note that goes to the primary care doctor's box that they have to sign off on. So, for instance, I'd say, hi, uh, Dr. So-and-so, I saw your patient in urgent care today for this problem. Worried about this, can you follow up? And then they have to sign off that they saw the note, and then they follow up. So it's a very good system. We do the same thing with our specialist colleagues, but most of the time when we're working with a specialist, it's about we want something extra done. Like I mentioned with the kidney stone, or perhaps I've diagnosed gallstones, and I want the general surgeon to see the patient for potentially operating on, on them at a later date. So there's a lot of liaison. And it's actually one of the best things that electronic health records has done for us, is that we have permanent records of everything, 
and we can send notes to people that's recorded and we know that they saw them and we know that the follow-up will be carried out. These are really important things. I also think that that gives patients a peace of mind knowing that there's an internal dialogue happening so that you don't feel like you as the patient have to go and jump from doctor to doctor to doctor and try to explain things, especially when you're not an expert in this area. So, I, I mean, it, for me, it's always given me much more. It, it makes me feel good knowing that I, you know, there, there's a system in place that is talking for me. Oh, absolutely. When you come to see a patient in Providence, or a big pardon, when a patient comes to see us in Providence, we look at your mm-hmm. chart and we see every encounter you've had at Providence, or for that matter, in Epic. So if you're in a non-Providence hospital somewhere or a non-Providence clinic and they're attached to Epic, which is the most common um, sort of uh, electronic health records that's used around the country, we can see what happened to you. So there's a thing in Epic called Chart Everywhere, or Care Everywhere. So you can log on and say, well, Brett was seen in this other clinic last week and this is what they were thinking. So the big deal in... in medicine is continuity of care because we don't want to reinvent the wheel each time. We don't want to over-investigate you if you've had it last week because there's risks to investigations. It's not only expensive, but there's radiation, say, in advanced imaging. If I have to CT you again, it was done last week, but it was normal. Why am I doing it again today? So all of this will kind of streamline sort of care so that you get the best care when you need it, but you don't get unnecessary care because, you know, it's not enough just to give people care or scans or whatever. Do you need this? Do you need the scan? Do you need the care? Will it make you better? Those are the things that we have to ask. So, for instance, if, if I see somebody with abdominal pain, I'm going to look at the epic chart and see when did she last have a scan? When was she last in the emergency room? When was she last see her specialist or her primary care? What are they thinking? Is this a chronic abdominal pain that I don't need to be too aggressive on? Or is this something new? The chart, the computerized chart gives me all of that. Now, I can't tell you that I'm totally in love with electronic health records because there's a lot of clicks. There's a lot of things you have to add. But it is really an important part of the armamentarium that we now use to look at you as a whole person and see what all the encounters you've had and how that changes. Um, I know we're, we're kind of heading out of time, Brett. So if you don't mind, I just want to talk about one of my favorite subjects in this, and it's anxiety related to COVID. And if you don't mind. So one of the things that I noticed with my team at FACI was there was a lot of concern about would they pick up COVID? And even more so is would they take COVID home to their families? And that's one of the reasons that I'm wearing scrubs and one of the reasons I encourage my team is because their families were afraid of when we come home at the end of the day, seeing very sick patients and seeing not some not so sick, would we bring the virus home with them? So a lot of people got into scrubs, t- took them off and they get home, wash up or shower or whatever, and their families were more comfortable. And the more I did this in what we call our huddles, where we all get together and we have a little chat, the more I found that this anxiety was rampant, it was rampant in the spouses of physicians and their children. And then we start talking to patients and their families. And we found that everybody was worried about COVID. Even people in their 20s, who most likely to get the disease, are going to have a mild illness to get better. Not everybody in their 20s, but most people. So one of the things I would encourage you to do is just this. Acknowledge that we live in stressful times. There is a pandemic. It is a problem. There are other issues in society that are causing us stress. Acknowledging stress is the first step in controlling it and making yourself feel better. And then one of the things I always encourage my team to do, and I think you should all think about it, everybody, is once a day, be kind to yourself. 
once a day, just do something that's for you. Just it can be really simple. Maybe five or 10 minutes in the morning, in the afternoon, you say, I'm going to have a coffee. I'm going to sit to the side. I'm going to think about my day. I'm just going to take a breath and make, take it easy and go. And that yeah. is not a cure-all. It's not going to magically make all the anxiety, all the stress disappear. But acknowledging stress and doing something a little special, that special might be whatever it is for you. It's very right. particular. It's very personal. But you've got to do this. And I tell my team, look, think of it as like this. You're on a plane and that oxygen level drops down. What do they tell you to do? Put it on you first and your child second or someone you love second. Because if you don't get the oxygen, the other person, you're both going to have a problem. So if you're not able to deal with the anxiety, it's going to be transferred to other members of your family and your workplace, wherever you are. So acknowledging stress is a big step in controlling stress. And then do some simple things. The act of kindness to yourself once a day, exercise, working out, all of those things, the, the traditional things you all know, they work really well too. But being kind to yourself on a daily basis, just for a short bit, and be forgiving. These are stressful times. They're stressful for you, and they're stressful for the person next to you. They're stressful for Brett. Just give yourself some credit. Give yourself a break and say, yeah, this is a tough week. This is a tough day. But we'll get through it, and we'll get through it together. Right. And I was just going to actually say, while you were saying that even though we all process it individually, I do think that knowing, you know, we're all feeling this in our own ways. And I do think that that there is, again, sort of a peace, peace of mind knowing you're not alone in dealing with the stress. You're not the only one. Our, patients, our potential patients, people who may have never seen this, that we in urgent care, we at Providence in our emergency rooms and our hospitals, we're there for you. Every day, 365 days a year, we're there for you. If you're sick, come into us. We will look after you. Promise. On that note, we are actually out of time. So that was a perfect way to end this. Thank you so much, Dr. Chambers, for being with us today. My pleasure. And, Thank you, Brett. And of course, and for everyone, and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. To learn more about our initiatives, programs, services, and ways to give. If, or if you're looking for medical care, please visit Providence.org. And make sure to follow us on social media at Providence Health System on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and under Providence on Twitter. Thank you so much, everybody. Mm-hmm.